0: Here we go. It's Rumination Tuesday on this November the 15th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and Pastor Mark Smith is going to help us in Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor. This was written by George Hugh Bourne, B-O-U-R-N-E. He lived till 1925. And he lived a full life of ecclesiastical service in the Church of England to the age of 85, after moving earlier in his career from civil law to the diaconate and the priesthood. In his 34th year, he became warden of St. Edmund's School of Salisbury, and he believed that the institution's students needed additional hymns for singing after communion. So he set out to supply them. This hymn provides theological points to ponder about Christ, the living bread, the real presence, forgiveness by this means of grace, and even heavenly manna offered for a humble yet magnificent banquet at the Lamb's High Feast. Lord, Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor, was one of seven texts printed in a private publication in 1874 and appeared publicly in the 1889 supplement to Hymns Ancient and Modern. Four of Bourne's original 10 stanzas are included in our hymnal. The hymn can be used for several occasions, suggesting communion, redeemer, and ascension hymn categories. So, in our hymnal, what's the category that they it under, Pastor Smith?
1: Uh, redeemer. Redeemer is the... Uh superscript over the hymn.
0: Yes. Our hymn is divided into all kinds of categories, and there's an index at the beginning. So Redeemer is a pretty good one because it can be used in any service, depending on what the text is. And, And I find this is for the last Sunday of the church year, which is this November the 20th. What, what I found interesting is the gospel is all about the crucifixion. Did you notice that?
1: Yes, I did. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's it's, I think it's also called Christ the King Sunday, is it not? The last Sunday of the church year?
0: It could be. I'm just not aware of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the cross is, of course, central in our, in our worship and in our faith, and uh, that, uh, that is conveyed in this hymn.
0: Yes, I'm going to be preaching on the Colossians 1 passage for this Sunday because it really kind of explains who Jesus is and how we are saved. But without further ado... If you would start with stanza one of Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor.
1: Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor, first begotten from the dead, you alone are strong defender, lifting up your people's head. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Jesus, true and living bread. Jesus, true and living bread.
0: Now, what is significant in this particular stanza for you?
1: Well, you, you mentioned that uh, he wrote some of these hymns uh, to be pondered after uh, partaking holy communion, and yes. that's really this is really important. To, you know, re- appropriate for that. You're, you're pondering on uh, the Lord's Supper, Jesus, true and living bread. Yes, uh, I'm trying to think what else I would say about it. First, begotten from the dead. There, you, there, it, it stresses his resurrection right off, and and that he's ascended, Lord enthroned in heavenly splendor.
0: Yes, so, one of the items that kind of confuse a lot of people is the Colossians one reading, verse fifteen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And that is kind of like first begotten from the dead. But was Jesus really the first one raised from the dead?
1: No, actually, uh, the Old Testament has some resurrections too. But it's it's all focused on him and his resurrection. Uh, the the Old Testament saints, you know, looked looked ahead to Him. Like uh, it's Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So uh, they they all looked ahead to the Redeemer who would be raised for all of us.
0: The way I understand first begotten from the dead is not chronologically first. No. But priority first. Right. Can you explain that? He's the first fruits.
1: Think of that passage. He's the first fruits of them. Finish it for me. He's the first fruits of, how does it go?
0: Those that have been risen from the dead?
1: Right, right. He's the first fruits.
0: So he's enthroned in heavenly splendor. Um... When did that occur that he was enthroned in heavenly splendor?
1: Well, I think of that passage, I think it's uh Revelation 5 where it shows the uh the perspective of his ascension from uh from the heavenly perspective.
0: Yes. I would also suggest that he was enthroned in heavenly splendor from before the creation of the world.
1: Absolutely. Always. That's right. Yeah, he's he's always been always has been, always will be.
0: Yes, and in our creeds we talk about he was begotten, the first begotten. Which yes. means he is of the same substance as God the Father, the same essence. In yeah, other in words fact,
1: In fact eternally begotten, Tom.
0: What does that mean? E-
1: eternally for for in, eternally begotten. You ask me, <laughs> that's that, that's a big mystery. I don't. You know, I have a hard time explaining that. Eternally begotten. In other words, uh, the fact that he was begotten doesn't mean that that he uh, that he was born uh, like you and I. He always has been e- eternally God.
0: Yes. And that's what that text means in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Right. In in other words, there is no part of creation that he did not create. And that's what verse 16 says, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And that includes, of course, the angels who were invisible right so he's enthroned in heavenly splendor and he alone is our strong defender now that's an interesting metaphor defender what is he defending us from
1: all the wiles of the, the devil all of our enemies um he's also our advocate in in judgment. He's not only our judge, but he's our advocate,
0: our defender. And that's because he prays on our behalf to God the Father. Yes. And he taught the disciples that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, where it's clear sins are forgiven and we are kept from the devil at the end. So that's how he's enthroned in heavenly splendor. I'll I'll read two. Okay. Though the lowliest form now veil you as of old in Bethlehem, here as there your angels hail you, branch and flower of Jesse's stem. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. We in worship join with them. We in worship join with them. When does that occur, that we join with them? Well,
1: uh, as we ponder uh, his lowly birth, uh, though in lowliest form now value as of old in Bethlehem. uh, Even in Bethlehem, his angels didn't lose sight of the fact of who he was. In fact, we're, we're told his angels were amazed uh, uh, seeing, seeing the Lord Jesus incarnate as a lowly babe in the manger. Yes. And, uh, of, of course, they worship
0: him, even there. Now, this is important to understand. Though the lowliest form now veil you, what was the lowliest form? You know, I'm having a
1: little trouble with that myself. Um, well, look the at the lowly- very
0: next phrase.
1: As of old, and well, of course, in Bethlehem, that's you know, he's just a little babe, and yet he's uh, he's he's the creator of the universe. This little babe in in uh, in the manger. Uh, he's he's in his lowliest form. He's. Uh, just born. In fact I suppose his lowliest form would be his incarnation in the womb of his mother. But uh um he's Did veiled
0: anybody recognize he's that veiled in, he's veiled in flesh. What was that, Tom? Did anybody recognize that yes. he John the Baptist. before he was born that's John right. John the Baptist, yes. He leaped in the womb for joy. Right. Yeah,
1: even in the womb, he recognized his Lord.
0: So we in worship join with them. Who's the them?
1: The angels. I took that as being the angels. And
0: where specifically in the liturgy does that occur?
1: With angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven.
0: Well said. Well said. We laud and, and magnify during, thy
1: glorious name. Yes.
0: That's during the process of Holy Communion. Exactly. So even though this is under Redeemer, it can be used on a communion Sunday.
1: Yes. it would. I think it would make a good distribution hymn.
0: Yes. Th- that can be possible. The uh, thing I'm uh, with is that one congregation has two services, and they alternate Sunday from Sunday, yes. the communion. So yeah, i am trying it. to persuade them to have communion at both services on the same Sunday, because when you're at the service without communion, yeah. it's hard to talk about communion.
1: Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that complicates the choice of hymns a little bit. You're right.
0: Now, in your situation, don't you have communion every Sunday? Every Sunday, yes. That's excellent. And uh by the way you're in the process of calling a pastor what's going on there
1: Well uh, we extended a call to uh a pastor and uh-huh. uh and uh he visited us this last uh weekend he vi- came up to visit the church and uh we had a real good visit and uh we're we're hopeful but of course the ultimate decision is up to him and his lord he's he's uh Returned home and uh, he's got to ponder so that. So you're period. waiting now
0: for his decision. For his response.
1: Sense. Yes. Yeah, we're, that's the way we
0: do it in the Lutheran church. In other churches, the, well, leaders of the denomination decide who's going to be a pastor at a church or not. But in our church, the congregation makes that decision by having a list of names going through them and seeing which ones might have the gifts and the ability to work in a congregation. Like one of my congregations has a university, and so you want somebody who enjoys talking with university students. Uh, The other two congregations do not have uh, a university, but they love to have worship. So you just got to work and see where pastors fit that's right Alrighty. stanza three please
1: okay and i have something to say about this right away pascal lamb your offering finished once for all when you were slain in its fullness undiminished shall forevermore remain alleluia 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 Cleansing souls from every stain. Cleansing souls from every stain.
0: And your comment? Yeah,
1: where it says, uh, it, it speaks about his offering once for all when you were slain. It is in its fullness, undiminished. I mean, that that sacrifice that he made on Calvary's cross, he said, it is finished. That sacrifice is, that, that covers all all of our sins uh the sins of the whole world this, all all of the sins and uh it's not something that needs to be added to it's undiminished it's it's good for, it's good for all for all time it, it's a, it's an offering that's made and he reaches out to all and uh it, that that sacrifice is good for my sins on my last dying day
0: that's a really good point you're making from a law and gospel point of view, because what you're saying is the cross is totally sufficient right. for our salvation. That's, I think, what is meant by being undiminished. Right. You can't
1: add and to it. You, you wouldn't want to add to it because you, it can't, it's, got, it's complete. It is finished.
0: Yeah, I was talking this week on another program how there are some pastors who think that for you to be saved you have to invite christ into your heart or you have to use your free will to make a decision but that would mean that christ's crucifixion is not sufficient
1: that's right yes it's like if, so, if we if we think we can add to it you know it's like those churches that um Oh, they have, you know, masses for the dead, you know. I mean, uh, sacrifices for the dead, let's say, to get them out of purgatory. That, that, you know, that we can't add to his supreme sacrifice on the cross. It is sufficient for all of our sins, not just, you know, it's not like, oh, some of our sins were washed away in baptism. Now we've got to, uh, we've got to, uh, uh, pray that the rest are removed no they're all they're all covered by his holy precious blood
0: can you say to an unbeliever your sins have been forgiven yes the,
1: yes uh, they have been they've been atoned He's redeemed, even him, even the unbeliever has been redeemed, but Christ forces nobody into his kingdom. He reaches out to that person with his offering of life and salvation, but he, for- he does not force him to take it.
0: Yes. In fact, just before this program, they were talking about that picture of Jesus yes. knocking at the door.
1: Yes. And you know that picture, Tom, of uh, opening the door... That was, uh, that was spoken, uh, if you look at the context, it's speaking to those that are already in the faith. And, Excellent. And, yeah, uh, you know, a, a person who doesn't believe can't open the door.
0: It, they don't want to open the door.
1: Right, and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit giving that person saving faith that he's able to open that door.
0: In fact, Jesus is knocking on the door of every heart. Right. But only those who have faith in him hear the sound. That's right. It's, again, another metaphor that the Bible is filled with. And we as pastors need to explain that that doesn't mean you save yourself by opening the door. But it means that you have been saved when you open the door. Because apart from faith, nobody would want to open the door
1: yeah if you're opening the door if you're opening the door, you already
0: have faith in your heart for the Savior exactly exactly and and so once more a great law and gospel theme yeah okay uh the final stanza please let's see
1: uh life imparting heavenly manna, stricken rock with streaming side, heaven and earth with loud hosanna. Worship you, the Lamb who died. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Risen, ascended, glorified. Risen, ascended, glorified.
0: So what does this mean, this stricken rock with streaming side?
1: Well, that kind of reminds you of another hymn. Uh, Oh, what is that? Uh, What's that hymn? That old, it's an old familiar hymn. I can't think of it right now but it's uh, he's the rock uh it, it refers you back to the old testament picture of uh yeah, that's of, the point uh, of uh Moses striking the rock and from that rock the rock that followed them as Paul says uh from that rock flowed uh the quenching stream in the wilderness
0: yes and that quenching stream is what Jesus talks about to that woman at the Samaritan well, uh, he says, I have something to drink that will cause you to live forever. And what is the response?
1: Living water. She says, she says, sir, give me this water. That way I won't have to come here and, and tote water every day
0: from the well. Yes. And what finally convinces her that she's probably talking to the Messiah?
1: He says, uh, she says, I know that uh, Messiah is coming. And Jesus says right to her, right to her face, I who speak to you am he. He had told her everything about her, all of her past. And she was convinced. In fact, she ran to the village there at Shechem uh, telling the men at the village, I think I've, can this guy be the Messiah? He's told me everything, I, everything that's happened to me.
0: And it says they believed her that he was. Then they ran out to him, yeah. and he stayed for some time with them. Yes. And then they believed because of what he said also.
1: Yeah, it's a great story. And those guys were all Samaritans. You know, that's that needs to be said. They were Samaritans. They weren't even uh, full Jews, but uh Samaritans, and they and they believed uh, on the basis
0: of his 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 word. So what's this? Heavenly manna that's imparted to us. That's
1: uh, well. Now that is the question: Is is that talking about uh, His Holy Supper? I mean, I think I think this is a good distribution hymn. And as you said, the writer wrote these hymns for pondering after the Lord's Supper. Uh, it, it's also the gospel, uh, the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life.
0: Yes. There's a number of things that Jesus says he is. I am the water. I am the rock. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. And, of course, what does that mean, that he's the living bread as the hymn ends? Uh, Stanza one says, Jesus, true and living bread. Jesus, true and living bread. Right. What does that mean for us?
1: What does that mean? He's, uh, <laughs> he's the bread that we partake of in the Lord's Supper. But he's also, he gives us, he gives us life, eternal life and salvation.
0: That's really important to understand. Absolutely. We're living in a world of sin, darkness, the devil, and our flesh. And therefore, we have an appetite for the gospel but a lot of people don't realize that because they don't think they're hungry for the gospel because they don't think they're that bad as sinners. So part of the church's task is to preach that you are a sinner. How does the Lord's Supper mirror that?
1: How does the Lord's Supper mirror that we are sinners? Because, well, because, because it's if you have forgiveness of sins it it bestows forgiveness of sins on all who partake well uh, said. baptism as well as the lord's supper and if you have forgiveness of sins you also have life and salvation
0: yes and so he imparts to us heavenly manna he imparts to us the streaming side and i i would point to baptism Yes. as the streaming side, yes, and therefore heaven and earth, with loud hosannas, worship you the Lamb who died. Now, what does that mean, heaven and earth?
1: Well, that's the, that's the Holy Christian Church, that's the communion of saints, all believers, the church uh, militant here on earth, where we struggle, and also the church triumphant, the saints in heaven.
0: And I would also include the angels. Absolutely, yes, sure. Because they sang loud hosannas not only at his birth, but also at the empty tomb. Right. Telling the women that he had risen from the dead. But the text is clear. We worship you, the Lamb who died. Why is he referred to as the Lamb?
1: He's the, he's the lamb that all those Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist himself said. Yes. All those, all those sacrifices in the Old Testament were a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God, who would really do the ultimate job of atoning for the sins of the whole world, the sins of all time.
0: Well, I sure thank you for helping us with this hymn. Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor. It seems like we're both going to be using it this Sunday. And we pray indeed that the people will recognize the important phrases found. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to skip doing Proverbs. And I'm going to try and explain what happened at the election that just took place. As well as a surprise.